Welcome back to another episode of the Battleborn Duckers. So uh, today's episode, we're going to do things a little bit different. Normally, we have a couple guests in with us, but it's going to be uh, next couple episodes. It's just be going to be Ron and I. We're going to talk uh, today about preparation. And on the next episode, we're going to talk about uh, embracing the suck, since we tend to do that fairly often lately. So, yeah, no, I think I think a good preparation episode is pretty key with. Uh, you know, bringing new people out and making sure they have a good hunt and uh, making sure you have what they need and what you need. There's a little bit more work in it, but uh, in order for someone to have a good hunt, you know, just make it enjoyable. You know, you tell them kind of what they need to prep, and then, yeah, golly, like we, me and Brian have spent late nights in that garage trying to get the boat ready and trying to get the decoys in and, you know, cleaning that gun that needs to be cleaned. And, you know, if, if you're hunting every other day or every day or, you know, just every weekend, there's a lot of uh, loss of sleep that goes into the prep work. Um, we've got better over the years, but I'm going to let Brian talk about, um, he's, he's a pack guy. He's a pack meal, I guess you could say, and he, he brings a lot in his pack when he goes out there. Brian, I want to talk a little bit about your packs. Yeah, I, I tend to bring two packs with me, even early season, just because you never, never really know what you're going to run into. So I have one that's pretty much specifically just different gear. So diff different clothing items, gloves, um, balakavas, gaiters, warm weather stuff. So I got some, some beanies and stuff and some heavier gloves. I keep my decoy gloves in there. You just never know when you're out hunting and, and especially with Ron and I, the way we travel. So we'll leave here in Logandale and we'll drive an hour and a half north. And there'll be a pretty big temperature difference by the time we get there. We learned that this weekend a little bit we went up on on thursday and thursday was was nice beautiful weather we got up no there no wind no wind um pretty much could have hunted a, in t-shirts if you wanted to it was a perfect it was a perfect day horrible for ducks yeah it was a bluebird day for sure and we go out the next morning and go about what 30 miles further up and yeah and it was windier than garbage and it was freezing cold and you know, Ron didn't have his heavier coat with him at that at that point, so... Why would I need it, man? Yeah, so we we know that those things can change pretty quick, so I always try to keep some, at least some warm weather gear with me. I like to have stuff a little bit lighter. If we're running into mosquitoes or something, I like to be able to have a layer I could put on with some light gloves or something over my face to help a light keep layer, that. A light layer that's not hot. But. Yeah, a light layer that's not, not necessarily hot. And I always keep some, some hot hands and stuff on us just in case. You just, you just never know, even... I'll hunt deer and stuff. I'll keep that bag pretty much with me all the time. The second bag I keep has got more gear that we're going to use in there. I usually keep an extra knife or two in there um, so we can we can clean ducks or use things that we need, you know, to cut cut things. I have an extra knife. I have my pocket knife normally, anyways. But I keep my like my thermocell in there. I'll keep my ammo. My ammo will go with me. If I'm going to take an extra choke with me, I'll usually go in that bag. Um, and then in my actual my gun case i've got a floating gun case and i actually keep in there i actually keep my choke wrenches and i keep my my choke lube and stuff like that but i also keep an identification book for for ducks and you know ron are generally pretty good we've been doing it a while so we're pretty good at identifying ducks but man you get early season and it's it can get a little bit more difficult to get some of these eclipse ducks and stuff in there and and identify them that they're way not fully so. plumed yet either yeah they're not fully plumed in fact we had an issue this weekend, we were we were on the youth hunt um, up in Logandale, and Ron was hunting with his kids. Ron's got a, a pretty pretty good sized herd, so 
he had his kids in the blind with him, and I was with my boy and, and a, another guy from out here that we jumped into a blind with him and hunted with him. And, you know, it, you, you just get into those times where you just need things. And so they dropped the duck, and I wasn't absolutely 100% sure what it was. And, and we, you know, our Department of Wildlife actually does a pretty good job. They actually publish a book that's an identification Their for birds and stuff like that. small game regulation book has all the ducks in there, and it's small really nice. regulation, but, man, the pictures aren't always that great. And so there's this other resource, and, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's a flat book. You can actually lay the beak on the book, and it'll identify yeah. by beak. And I left that book in the truck because I, I let my boy shoot my gun because he, he has a pump, and and he wanted to shoot my semi, so I, I let him shoot my gun, and I just took it out because it's easier to carry than carrying the case. And, man, I wish I would have had that book because I was pretty sure it was a gadwall that he dropped. But it's just sometimes it's just hard to tell. And so it, it just shows a show. You get into those situations where it would be nice to have that. You know, we're not obviously not going to shoot something we think is illegal um, and, and take that. But it's just nice to know kind of what you have in but your But it's not just you. Inventory. It's not just because you're, you know, new, which you're not. But <clears throat> even up at the – we got the idea from the game station at Overton when you check in. Um, the guys down there, they have the book, and if they can't identify it right off the bat, they pull out that book. And so Brian saw it, and he, he's like, that is a good idea. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's good for, I mean, most of the ducks that you're going to be questionable on aren't, you're not worried about them in your limit necessarily. You can get seven of those. But when it comes to things like, you know, trying to identify a gadwall or, or something like that when it's an eclipse duck, those things are a little bit more difficult. The pentails are pretty easy to identify. They're they're pretty super simple once you've seen them once or twice. You know, mallard hens, they're pretty easy. And then your cans and your redheads, I mean, for the most part, they're they're a pretty easy duck to identify as well. So I don't think it's a matter of being able to shoot your limit, but it's sure nice to know kind of what you have in the blind. And you yeah. know, Ron and I, if we're if we're hunting apart and like we were this weekend, we'll be on the phone back and forth to each other. Hey. What do you got? What's flying over there? How's it doing over there? And <laughs> who's next to you in your blind messing yeah, you up? Who's next to you? I mean, this weekend we just, Ron decided to move to, to a different blind and he, he was assigned. So I, I took, went to the boondocks. I went for a walk. So I took Ron's assigned blind and. Uh, after I gave it up. Yeah, after he gave it up. So we, we took that blind and, man, I should have went with Ron's idea and gone to the other blind. It would have been a good blind, though. It, it would have been you a good had blind. Ducks dumping in on there you. Was, there were. There were a ton of ducks and we actually had some coming into the decoys the problem is and it's youth hunters and, and I, I understand it but you have kids that are shooting 600 yards at ducks that you know that just aren't aren't shootable and the parents are this is why ron and i are so adamant about teaching people how to do things the right way because the kids don't know any better because this is what their parents are teaching them and they were sitting in a well, blind i don't with no think decoys. the parents know too much either and that and that's it so they can't teach them if they don't know so if we can educate the guys that are going out on these blinds or maybe have a conversation with them. Hey, I know you guys are probably new. Do you want to come and jump in the blind with us one weekend and, and show them how to do it the right way? I was in a blind and, uh, you know, it's a, they're not super new hunters, but it's a, it's a newer hunter that kind of doesn't know all, all the tricks. I don't and, know how new they were. I didn't know the name. No, no. The one that I was hunting with. Oh, the weekend. one you're hunting with. Okay. So, so he's a newer hunter. I mean, he's, what a year maybe two years but he's got some experience under his he's belt. got some experience but you know he had questions we get out there and and he's like well how should i set the decoys and 
where would you where would you set the decoys and and what do you set them in and so the conversation i have with them so i have a different decoy theory um ron tends to go a little bit heavier than i go i i, I tend to to go light on my decoys and for him i i, I just looked at him and i said well you scouted what what the ducks look like and so he was like well they're all kind of bunched up so we made a set to where we had a couple groups bunched up and and it seemed to work fairly well that the, the birds were liking they'd start to come into it unfortunately you have to have people around you that play well in the sandbox to be able yeah. to get those ducks to work but we still managed to get pull a few out and well, that's a that's an excellent point with the prep work though like <clears throat> that guy although he's a new hunter he went down to the prep work he he went and scouted all the ducks he saw where they're sitting he figured out where he wanted to be you know that's a big part of preparation work and then along with that also I had the opposite experience where you had a new hunter next to you and part of prep work is knowing who you're hunting with and who you're hunting by. You know, uh, when we pull to a spot and there's a lot of guys in and we go, hey, where are you going to go? Who are you going to go with and where are you going? And we can figure out, that's part of prep work, you figure out where he's going, you figure out how he hunts, and if it's not in accordance with your style, then either one, you got to educate him and hopefully he picks it up, or two, don't go by him. And I saw... I, I told I, Brian chose to go next to this guy, but I told him I said I don't know this guy. I don't know how he hunts. I don't know what he wants, and so we we got to make the choice of going to a different spot. And I knew the guys I was hunting next to. Um, if anybody knows the Houts, man, they are. They're I'm gonna so name drop them because so. they're awesome. They're awesome hunters, and we had the opposite experience. He he threw out mainly goose decoys, and they were trying to shoot geese, which was awesome. Excuse Axel, that's my boy. He wants to be in the video this week. Anyways. He wanted to shoot geese, and so um, we, we had a really good hunt. My boy, uh, we had an 11-year-old, we had a 10-year-old, no, 12-year-old, 11-year-old, 9-year-old, and an 8-year-old with us, and they were all shooting, and we had teal dumping in, and we had every single type of duck coming in, you know, and they missed quite a few, but <clears throat> the guy across from us was mainly focused on geese, the houts were, and they're, they're big goose hunters, and so I called him up on the phone, you know, I said, hey, what's your plan? He said, hey, we're trying to get geese. I said, okay, listen, we're getting tons of ducks over here. If you got geese, because geese aren't very prevalent in Overton. So if you got geese, you let me know. Start honking, and I'll make my kids not shoot. He said, okay, sounds like a deal. And then we worked it back and forth. He said, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna walk out to the parking lot without a gun and see if I can't jump these ducks up. You know, and you're not allowed to be out of your gun, out of your blind with a gun. You know, another, another key piece of prep work, right, we'll talk about that in a second, is knowing your area and knowing what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Overton, one of the rules is you can't be outside your blind. You you know, 100 feet, right? It's 100 feet, I believe. Or something of that nature. But anyway, so he, he, got, uh, he said, hey, I'm going to walk down the parking lot and I might jump up some ducks, so sit still. And so we had a really great hunt because we were able to communicate back and forth and the prep work because I knew how he hunted. It was, man, it was a phenomenal hunt well, that's, for my kids. We've talked about, in the past, we've talked about the importance of developing relationships, right? So as hunters, we, especially in, in the Overton uh, wildlife management areas. Southern Nevada, to be honest. Yeah, but in Overton is, I think, more than other places. I mean, Ron and I will talk to people pretty much anywhere we go and, and try to build relationships. But in Overton, the way it works is you go and you have to be there an hour and a half before shooting light to be able to get your blind. So people are getting there trying to get a ball to, to draw and they're, you know, they're there two hours before. So you got time to where you can kind of sit around and talk to the other hunters and, and develop relationships. And so those hunters 
get to learn who they can trust, and it's kind of nice. I mean, I remember one hunt, we were sitting over by Benny, which is the game preserve manager out here, and we were hunting by him, and, you know, he he just takes a blind, whatever blind he gets, and that's, that's what he hunts, and he'll sit there all day and not shoot anything if that's that's the way it is. But for Ron and I, we, we don't go and shoot things that we know we're not gonna we're not gonna have a chance of harvesting so for Benny it was kind of nice because he had somebody across from him that wasn't ruining his hunt it made his hunt a little bit more enjoyable because it's always enjoyable if you get on birds and and if you can get birds to to play nice and if we we have a hard time doing that in these some of these WMAs I mean I don't know that you know, I, I would want to do opening day out here this this year just because. I don't know, man. There are a lot of ducks. There were, like, there were a lot of ducks. I'm changing my mind on it a little I, bit. I may go put on the on the extras board. We we <laughs> didn't get a reservation this year because notoriously there's not a whole lot of ducks. It's been and, rough too. And, and it just gets frustrating because you, you can't get any ducks to work when people are just shooting at the first thing that moves. I mean, and that's really, I mean, the sad part is that's that's what you get at some of these. Yeah, but, you know, back to the prep work, the more people you take out, the more people you educate. And if you're not a jerk, we, we were talking to some guy last, what was it, Thursday, up at uh, one of the wildlife management areas, and he said, man, people are just so rude in Overton. And you get a lot of hunters that are really rude, and instead of saying, hey, listen, why don't you jump in with me? Why don't, we, why don't I show you the ropes? I'll show you how to set up your decoys, and I'll show you how to, like, let these ducks come in. And if everybody's letting the ducks come in, I, I think the kill rate would be a lot higher in Overton. Yeah, and it's it's just an education thing. And, and I know it's kind of funny. We talked to uh, Ron. And I will talk to the game warden. It's not it's not a problem. A game warden comes up to us. We'll we'll talk to him. We'll have him check our stuff, and we usually will talk to him for fifteen or twenty minutes afterwards. And we had one in in Paranagat, the, the federal game warden that stopped us, and we were talking to him a little bit. And he said, "What they do is they have a program that they they actually do a duck hunter's education <laughs> class." Yeah. And so when he finds people that need some work on on courtesy and proper ethical hunting technique shootings. and ethical ethical shooting, he suggests that they should go try that class out. And and I think if you if you approach that right, you can get those guys to actually see it for what it is. I think we think about we got hunting and Ron and I will hunt. I say this, I say I hunt anything I can eat or anything that's going to eat something that I can't eat. So we'll go hunt deer or antelope or... or coyotes. Coyotes, bighorn, rabbits, whatever, right? So if you got a hunter that's used to hunting deer and they're used to, okay, I see a deer and as long as I get a good sight picture on it... I, I, get, can, I usually get one shot. I, I can take a shot at it and, and that might be the only shot I get. And then you take them into a duck blind... And they see the bird, and they they don't transition. And if, especially if you're new to shotgun sports, they don't transition. That I only have 40 effective yards if I'm not using a full choke. Throw a handful of BBs at them. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, and then the other problem you have is you got birds that are working. They're high, and a hunter shoots at them, and they get that magic BB, and they get lucky and drop one at 80 yards, and then everybody around them looks and thinks that. That's how you're supposed to do it. So, I think it is. It's a, the big part is an education and for preparation. I mean, that's that's our job as hunters is not only the, the educating hunters part, but it, it's also creating the habitat, right? So, so if we don't have good habitat for the birds, being a perfect example is there's some areas that we historically would hunt 
that are historically really great for birds this time of year that just don't have the birds and and there's there's some wildfires up up to the north and the water we've, we're in a six month drought and so the water levels are pretty low and there's not the feed plots that were in those areas we're seeing those ducks move into areas that they historically aren't in so it's talking to the game the game of uh, the game preserve managers and just talking to them about hey how's it going and what are you seeing for ducks are you seeing ducks in and out and other hunters will tell you and you know just trying to get a good start yeah and some of this prep work too though um uh, going along with that talking to wma managers and stuff is is uh sometimes you gotta have some sucky hunts you know and that's part of the prep work too and you just got you can't get frustrated on those it's just um sometimes hunts are just not great and uh, we went to a few WMAs this year that had been phenomenal in the past, and they weren't. We went to some, like Overton, that weren't phenomenal in the past, and they were. And some of these WMA managers don't know um, how many. Some are big duck hunters, and some know a lot where where the bullet birds are holding and stuff, and others, you know, they'll say, oh, it's not that great. But um, part of the prep work is getting out there, looking at them, seeing what the birds are doing, seeing how many they're doing the counts, to see what type of birds are there. And so the night before, me and Brian will we'll do a few things the night before. One, we'll talk on the phone, and we'll figure out when sunrise is, how much time we're going to need to get out there, how we're going to hunt. And that, that all depends. Like if we're going canoeing, we're going to add another hour in to get the kayaks out there. If we're hunting from the shore, it's not going to be that hard. If we have to walk in, then we have to commute that time in. So a prep time is like figuring out how you're going to get out there, what the time is, and you want to be there before sunrise. You want... You want everything out, you want it in the water, and you want to be sitting quiet about a half an hour before minimum. If you're there later than that, you're in trouble. Uh, the next thing is, is you look at the weather. Brian did it good. He didn't look at the weather, but he's always prepared. I, I, I went based off the weather that day before. I came out and I was cold. I had embraced the suck. It didn't matter. You know, so you look at the weather, you look how the wind is going, you look at the wind direction, um, you look at the wind speed. If the wind speed is like very high, the mojos work good. If the wind speed is very low, the mojos don't work. You know, so there's a lot to take in. The weather plays a huge factor. Um, the, depending if the wind's coming from the northwest, you're going to want to face it in. Um, where you're sitting on the reeds based on the wind, because the ducks like to fly into the wind, and so you don't want them dropping in over your heads, because then you're like trying to shoot at them. You can't really see them. Um, and so night before, you're going to look at what time I need to be up there, what's the weather going to be doing, and the third thing is, is you want to ask yourself what kind of ducks are up there. Because if, if you're late season Overton and there's only uh, small flocks of ducks, you're going to do like Brian does and bring like four decoys. I don't know why he does it. I'm still throwing out five dozen. If you're early season, you got the big flocks and they're piled up and they're all over the place. And so you want to bring that big flock of decoys out. Now, if you're bringing, if you're bringing a big flock, a big, uh, big pack of decoys out and you're throwing nothing but mallards out and there's only till down there that, that ain't gonna do you no good I mean you might get a few till that drop in but the ducks want to hang out with their buddies and you know ducks are a little racist they are the ducks are a little racist they, they want to hang out with the people they well, know they all hang out with coot though everybody gets along with them coots <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and so like you, there's a lot of prep work that goes into it there's you know getting up early Figuring out where you, how you're going to be there, what time you're going to be there, um, weather, and then decoys. And what kind of decoys, you know? Is there going to be a no-wind day? If there's a no-wind day, 
you bring out your agitators and make sure that water is moving. You know, there's a there's a lot that goes into preparation with just planning your trip. And so Brian packs the bags, and I pack. I usually pack the decoys for the most part. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, the other thing is you actually have to if you're taking new hunters out with you, and I, and I know it can get frustrating with new hunter having new hunters in the blind. You need to prep those new hunters before you get out there and start shooting ducks. So notoriously, and, and Ron and I sometimes don't do such a good job about really prepping them and telling them, but you'll get a new hunter in the blind and they don't understand that, you know, the, a duck's eyesight is, is far superior to it's us. phenomenal, yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're prey animals, so they don't want to see movement. If they see movement, they, they're not going to come anywhere near it. And so It could be a coyote. It could be a, a dummy with a gun like me and Brian. What you know, you'll see anything. is new hunters a lot of times will be just bouncing all over inside that blind as soon as ducks start flying. So you need to have a conversation early. You know, sit still. The ducks come in, don't move. And I, I know this youth hunt, you know, I watched ducks come in and, and they'd get fairly close and they'd flare and there was a lot of movement Those in, kids in just our get blind. excited, man. And they get excited. So finally I'm like, hey, look, here's the deal. You, if you want these ducks to come in, you got to hold super still. And once they did that, the ducks were more willing to commit. So they, you know, you're changing their environment up a little bit anyway. So if those ducks, like in Overton, a lot of those ducks are still resident ducks. So they're coming into these same ponds every single day, right? They, they know what the ponds look like. Now you add something a little different in there. It's already, they're already kind of sketchy about it. They're already like, ah, do I really want to be in there or not? And then you add some movement in there on top of the guys next to you sky busting all the way across. Well, there's a lot of noise. They're, a little, they're really on edge. Those, those ducks don't want to be out. And, and you've also spooked a bunch of them off the water for the first time of the season, especially on a youth hunt, because everybody's walking into their blinds right so you'll hear them coming off the water when you're when you're walking in the blind and which which usually happens is you'll spook them off and then they'll go find another pond and hopefully you can be set in your blind when they they go to look for those other ponds and so i think it is it's you, you got to prep your gear but and you got to prep where you're going when you're going what the weather is going to be but you also need to prep the people you're taking with you and and i think sometimes you'll will overlook that and including ourselves, so we need to make sure, I mean, Ron and I, it's duck season, so we don't get more than four hours of sleep on a weekend night, so, um, but not everybody can operate like that, so, you know, you just got to make sure that, that that's all set, and, you know, for us, we talk about gear, one of the other things that Ron and I started doing, because inevitably you're going to, a couple times during the season, somebody's going to go in the water. Well, we had one, we had one gentleman with us last hunt that, he got in his kayak right off the shore, and it, it, you know that that kayak's all tippy. Yeah, but that's the only one we had, and so he went right in and right over. But he was tough. He was and, a good, and it was good a little hunter. bit. It wasn't as cold that that morning. It was chilly, but it wasn't yeah. cold, cold. But Ron and I started taking if if we know it's going to be cold out, especially, we'll pack some extra clothes with us yeah. just so we can get back to the truck and get some some dry clothes. I mean, it's not uncommon for us to be in in the teens when when we start hunting in the morning. So. It, it, it can be, it's miserable when it's 20 and 30 degrees and, and you get wet. When it gets into the teens or the single digits, it, it can, you know, you, you can do a lot of damage to yourself there. So Yeah, those backup clothes are really important. Another thing that I like to do, and I, I, I made a Google Doc, and on this Google Doc for these new hunters, it says, hey, these are the things that I bring, and I put everything. And a lot of new hunters, like we had Allie on the podcast, and she said, hey, I don't, 
I, I really appreciate you taking me to hunt because I couldn't afford it. So if you have a lot of those items, what I do is I put everything in black and everything in red that they need to bring like an extra beanie, extra sweater, a jacket, you know, tan colored clothing. They don't need camo. Tan's fine for duck hunting. Um, <clears throat> a ball cap, you know. I put them all in red and I put the stuff I have in black for them. And so that way I send it to them the night before. I say, hey, this is the stuff you need. This is the stuff I'm going to bring. If you have a little bit, if you have your own shotgun, if you have your own shells, that's great. I have a few extra old ones that we could use. You know, and so giving the hunter a list, and um, it just helps them kind of mentally prepare. They could do a checklist the night before. Because uh, me and Brian, you know, we have everything in a tote already. It's ready to go. And then we go, we know we, we know we got to clean the gun or we got to throw a few extra shells in or, you know, we want to take out the pins and throw on the till. You know, we, we know that with these new hunters, they, they have no clue. This is a new adventure for them, and so it's a, it's a kind of a big deal. And it's really exciting, and it, it makes it really horrible if they get out there, and you're like, hey, you should really brought a beanie. I got it. Hey, shush. You got to really bring a beanie because you lose, like, what was it, 60% of your heat out of your head? Yeah. I'm... You know, and they don't have one, so they're sitting out there cold, no beanie. You know, and so that makes it rough. The other thing is you need to make sure that they are truly prepared for, for the hunt. So... We talk about a lot about old green jeans, and, and we talked last episode about, you know, it, if somebody you takes takes gets a pop old green jeans and taking that ticket for them. But I mean, things that new hunters necessarily aren't necessarily going to think about is they're not going to think about, hey, I got to shoot steel shot, or they're not going to think about, hey, do I have a, a plug in my gun? And so, making sure before we get out in the, in the duck blind, we talked to our our first episode, I think, about a gentleman who went out and get all the way out to the blind and he didn't have a plug in his gun. So nothing will ruin a hunt faster than than getting a, a, a tongue lashing from the game warden and a ticket. So we want to make sure that those guys are, anybody you're taking out, whether you're, you're hunting for ducks or you're hunting deer or whatever, that if they bring their own gear, that that it's suitable for what they're, what they're doing. The other thing is, I personally... I would rather people hunt with our guns unless I know that they're very competent shooters because they're not always going to bring the safest equipment with them. And so we have a rule. I coach 4-8 shooting sports as well. Is a, a kid is not allowed to shoot their own firearm until we look at that firearm and, and, and determine that it's safe to shoot. So that way we don't have an issue. I mean, we're not talking. If we're in Overton, it's, it's one thing where we're, you know, we've got some five minutes great, away from the truck. We got and we got great volunteer firefighters and stuff. If something were to happen in that blind, but we're hunting a lot of places where we're a couple hours from help. So yeah, we've had to drive some calls out there. We're in the ambulance, and you know, you you you, you hope they can hold on until you get out there because it's a it's a wild ride. Yeah, and so I mean, just preparing and, and making sure that you, everybody has an enjoyable experience. So if you got it. A hunter, and, and that's part of the reason I bring extra gear with me is because if we have somebody that maybe didn't bring something that they needed, we can have an extra headlamp, or we can have an extra pair of gloves, or, or an extra beanie if if they're if they don't have one and it's cold out. So we can help that. It's it's all about creating an enjoyable experience for everybody. Now we also know that if you're going to be a duck hunter, you got to like to be a little bit miserable because. As part of the experience is we're hunting in, in pretty adverse conditions and you know it's not for everybody and, and but that's how the only way they're going to find out whether it's for them or not is is to have the opportunity and we're given the opportunity and in turn we hope that they come back and hunt some more and I haven't ever brought anybody out that hasn't enjoyed it yeah and 
I think Allie was kind of after her hunt. I think she was on the fence a little bit. About I'm talking about back. duck hunting. Duck hunting, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know how I'll do with duck hunting. I would that'd be an interesting one to see. Well, I think the you know the reason people enjoy it when they get out is because I mean you watch a sunrise, you watch the ducks fly in, and it's kind of like it's like a once in a lifetime thing unless you do it all the time. Yeah, I I still I I don't know about even doing it all the time because I still every time I'm out there I mean I mean how much better can it get? You're out there, you're seeing the sunrise, you're in, in beautiful country, you're getting to see. Ducks fly, and even on Ron, I had had a pretty rough experience on Friday. We hunted an area that we we hunt on a regular basis. Um, we've hunted there a ton of times. We didn't kayaks. do the prep work on it. We didn't do the prep work, but it's it was the first hunt of the season for that area for us. And yeah. we, we knew the there's two little lakes out there, and we knew the one lake was was really really low because yeah. we went and did some work up there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks and. and Got some goose boxes up. We went to hunt this area, and normally we'll push the kayaks out. We'll go about 10, 20 yards into the reeds, and then we'll hit water. In the reeds. We'll float we'll the kayaks the in the reeds, in the reeds yeah. and we'll go 30 or 40 yards through the reeds in the water, and then we'll launch out. We'll go find some reeds in a cove to tuck into and, and hunt. Well, this time we we get 20 yards in the reeds. It's still no water. We get the extra 30 yards out of the reeds, and there's still no water, and the water is still 200 yards out out away from the reeds and you get out towards it and it's just the mud was thick enough to where I was all the way up to my knees at one point in mud and it just wasn't huntable waters and we tried to make it work and well let's just throw some decoys out and see if we can maybe get some ducks to come in but it just wasn't a, a real it was dark we couldn't see how deep the water was yeah and it, but we could see that there was a little water so we, we gave it a go and it wasn't a, a real huntable spot so the lack of prep work and preparation for that one kind of kind of sealed our fate for the day on that one so yeah there's that was, i looked at you one time like during that hunt and I, I remember just being pissed because when you do all that work and you're tired and cold and muddy i looked at you and i said hey man life is tough but life's a lot more tough when you're stupid and <laughs> that's a john wayne quote and that's one of like <laughs> that that like life is tough but it's a lot more tough if you don't prepare yeah, you know? and, but even still with all that and, and not even having any ducks to, to shoot at, you know, it was a pretty, it was a, it was a beautiful morning. And you watch yeah. the sun come up and it, it's still, it's still pretty country to be in. And then we're walking out, so we we're going to try to go maybe jump shooting area. And so we're walking out to the truck and all of a sudden at that particular area, they do a lot of, of jet fly, flying out there. The Air Force has some, some practice ranges out there and there was a huge sonic boom and as soon as that sonic boom hit, you just saw thousands of ducks lift off the water and, and take off in unison. So that was, that was a pretty cool experience to watch. And then we ran into a, a hunter that we've, we've seen, seen a couple times, and he, we've talked to him a little bit. And he goes, man, what was that loud, loud explosion? And we, so we were able to tell him kind of what that was. And, but, you know, even the worst duck hunting, and, and you don't get any ducks like we had on Friday, and, and you don't even get really any chances to shoot. It's still a great time outdoors. Cody, my my boy, we were sitting in a duck blind in Overton one day, and it was afternoon, and we were hunting, hunting afternoon hunt, and the sun's starting to go down, and he goes, man, it sure is just nice sitting here next to the water like this. And so You didn't even shoot any that day, did you? Nope. That was the, well, I think we shot some in the morning maybe, and, but we didn't shoot any in the afternoon. And it, it, It's true. I, I, listened to, I was listening to another podcast, and 
one of the guys was talking about, he, he's a professional guide, and, and he was talking about if you can't watch a duck land on the water and not shoot it, then you really shouldn't be hunting ducks because it's about more than more than harvesting and taking a limit every single time. It, it really is about enjoying just the whole thing as, as a whole. And, and I think whole you, have experience. To, you have to prepare yourself. So if we all go out there in a mindset to, to get a limit, but we have to prepare ourselves just to have an enjoyable hunt. You know, uh, I, Ron, you know, we, we talked about the hot hands thing and, and I've got some foot warmers that, I, that I'd bought before and thrown them in my thing. That goes a long way as to keeping it, to keeping it more of an enjoyable hunt. The having some snacks with you when you go out, making sure you have some water or something to, to drink with you. And you know, beginning of the season is always a little bit tough because I don't think we're in as good a shape as no, we are at the, the end of the season. But making sure that you know when, when you're going to go out and paddle and you're taking the kayak out, that the people you take with you have a capability of doing that without being completely spent. By the time you get out just to the the hunting part of it. Yeah, I think like what you said, another big piece of preparation is the mental preparation. You know, you got to be prepared to to fail and just enjoy the journey. You know, and a lot of times duck hunts an educational experience, especially when you're new. You're, you're going to get out there and you're going to be in the wrong spot. You're going to move and jump ducks and you're going to do stuff wrong. And you're gonna walk through the mud, and you're gonna fall in the water, and you're gonna like. There's gonna be a lot of things that are tough, um, but if you're mentally prepared to say, "Hey, listen, this is this is just what it is, and I'm gonna enjoy it no matter what," we have a lot of hunts that are just horrible, and they should be horrible. But at the end of the day, we're laughing, we're happy, and we we just get back on that horse and try it the next weekend. Well, I think that's the thing is I think it's only as, it's only really truly as miserable as you allow it to be. I I had an experience where it was. 17 or 18 degrees outside and and I, I went full under the water I mean I went my, my jacket you was completely so full baptized man dripping dripping wet and you know I just got back in the in a blind and or in the reeds and we hunted for another couple of hours and and it's just you know the the cool thing about it is is the body the human body can do some amazing things and your mind can get you through a lot you look at what the Navy SEALs can go through just, just to get through like a hell week or something like that. And it's all, those guys, the Navy SEALs talk about it a lot as the guys that make it through are not necessarily the biggest, fastest, strongest guys. It's the ones that are the best mentally prepared to make it through mm-hmm. the situation. And so I think you can do the same thing with duck hunting. So you need to make sure that when you take people out that they're in that same kind of that same mindset. Say, hey. We're going to take you. We really hope we get, you know, we think we should get on some good ducks. So just be prepared that, you know, it's it's just like anything else. It's a, it's a game of chance a little bit. So, But, I mean, if you do, like, you can always prepare also. If you have someone that's a little bit soft, uh, you don't you don't drag them out on a kayak and make them walk through the marsh. You know, you could take them to Overton, and you could go ahead and put them. You stole my best friend. What's up with that? You could, you could take him out to Overton. You could put him in blind. Put a nice heater in there. You cook some sausage in the morning. Put it on some white bread. You know, you could, you could make it all fancy at the country club. But if if you're gonna go really hard, you know, maybe you don't bring that person that's as soft. Well, and that's part of the part of the thing for us is knowing as as hunters that are gonna take people out is where people belong. So we've got some that you know kayaks are gonna work just fine from some younger guys, some older guys. I don't know. I'd be super comfortable putting them in a, in a kayak and, and have them for the day. Some of the older guys, they're they're going to be fine with it. 
some guys that we want on the boat because we want them to have that experience and for me if you're going to be hunting on water there's nothing better than hunting off a boat it's just a lot it you got to get a lot more comfortable you're not sitting in the water you know when it's you got ice forming around you the uh the overtemp line thing the paddles don't have ice on them yeah the overtemp line thing is, is a super easy hunt i mean you get in there generally you have a good place you don't to have sit to down pick where to go because you have to go there and you can get even on on the windiest days and stuff you can kind of those blinds act as a little bit of a windbreak so you can kind of get out of the wind a little bit so it's if you're going to have a hunter that you know you're not sure how they're going to do it. and the other thing is in overton somebody can leave that blind really easy and go back to the truck and if go they're back tired. to the truck if they're tired so if if you got somebody that you don't know that's going to make it a full hunt, that's something like that is, is is an excellent choice, versus getting them out on a boat. Now you just blew everybody's hunt to go take them back in. So it really is about doing your a job, a good job, selecting the proper hunt for the proper people. It's kind of like, you know, Ron and I got the got to take his brother up to try to get his deer, and man, it was the tough hunt and. If you would, we would have had the time, we would have made that would have been a successful hunt. But I hope so. I don't know. It, it, it was down to really, it, it was down to we had a morning or an afternoon and a morning to hunt. So we had 24 hours to try to harvest an animal, and we did really. He went really hard, and we went really hard, and you know we worked we worked as hard as we could in that time period. I mean, wish we had a little bit more time, but you never know how it's going to go with deer. Well, I think that it's. You know, Ron and I are never committed fully to to one particular thing, so we're not afraid to move or try something new. And when you're hunting, sometimes that's what it is. Ron, Ron had experience of hunting with his dad and some other people that they weren't getting stuff where we traditionally see a lot of a lot of deer activity. And so we called me and I, and I like, we tried here, and and so he moved to an area that he'd never tried before and and had some success. So. Duck hunting is the same way. If it's not working in your traditional spots, don't be afraid to try something new. I'm lucky because Ron gets to hunt an awful lot more than I do. We just, Ron's job allows him to go in the mornings and, and hunt. My job doesn't allow me to do that. I have, I have get up some, at 3 a.m. I have some more time on the weekends. I have Fridays off where Ron doesn't. But Ron goes out and hunts Tuesdays and Thursdays sometimes. And so when it comes to a Saturday and we can go hunt that same area, Ron's already really scouted that area and kind of knows where the birds are working in there. So it, it's helpful for me, and I'm appreciative of, of that because that takes the prep work out of it for me. The other thing is I, I think Ron and I don't do a good enough job of knowing exactly where our guns are going to shoot. So if you want to be truly a successful hunter, you, you need to you need to and, and find out you know, what, your pat, what your shot pattern is, chest Test your different ammos because every time chokes. every time you change a different ammo with a, with a choke, it's going to shoot different. If you change a choke out with the same ammo, it's going to shoot different. So knowing the capabilities of, of what you're shooting, and I know I shot some bismuth when we were up in up in Ruby Marsh, and man, and the it, gold bullets, man, those are expensive. They, they are expensive, but man, those things, I mean, they fold up ducks like like no other, but they shoot different than the other ammo that I'm used to. They're slower. They're slower ammo, so. For me, I have to lead just a little bit more than, I, than I'm used to with that particular ammo because it's a slower shooting ammo. So you just got to, you, you really have to know your gear and your equipment, your capabilities, what you have with you, you know, 
What what all can we take with us? Are we going to try to hunt out of kayaks? You know, if you're going to hunt out of a kayak, make sure that's that's ready to go. Ron had an experience this weekend where uh, he had rock on the boat with him, and he didn't have a cover on on his one my porthole on his porthole on his kayak, and and it started to fill up and take on water. So, luckily, where we were hunting, you, it's shallow and you can walk it. It's just muddy, and so Ron got out and walked his kayak half the way across the lake. So. Yeah. Again, it's, I wasn't prepared and had to embrace the suck. It's just making sure that that you're prepared for this successful hunt. So. But you'll you'll get more preparation as you do more stuff. You know, like like I I've never had that problem before ever, and I never think of having that problem before. But now I know. Now I'll prepare for it next time. You know. Yeah, and, and that's and that's part of it. Ron, I, you know, we're we're pretty dumb sometimes, and and we've done some really dumb things, and we we like to hope we we learn about it, but. At least keep finding new dumb things to do is the problem. Inevitably, you know, we we decide we should do something, and then for the next six or eight times we go out, we forget to ask what we were going to do. And what's our, what's our number one thing, man? Yeah. So Ron and I, we had, we always kept saying we need to bring some binoculars with us. We need to bring some binoculars, right? And so, you know, we get to a hunt, and and Ron would look at me and go, you know, it'd be nice right about now. I mean, yep, some binoculars. <laughs> And so we had the same issue. We went up with his brother, and you know, and we it was originally a duck hunting trip, but kind of at the last minute got turned into trying to get his deer, and then hopefully getting on some ducks later in that trip. And mm. and so we get out there. I'm like, hey, Ron, do you have a spotting scope? No, but it sure be nice if we had a spotting scope. <laughs> so yeah. it's just making sure that we're ready for those those, those things and, and and those events. We got out for the youth deer hunt, and we didn't have big enough coolers with us. So yeah, we had to go get another cooler. We had to had to go grab a cooler. So it's just what's going to make that hunt successful, and, and everything you could think of. If you, just think of everything you possibly think of, and if you think you don't need it, you probably ought to bring it with you, even um, if you leave it in the truck. A big thing that I like to do, and I've been building this list for years, is I have a duck hunting list and my deer hunting list, and. Every single time that I go, oh, man, I wish I had this, I throw it on my deer hunting list. And so my list is pretty big on my deer hunting list. And like half the stuff, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to bring that this year. And I won't. But at least I have it in the back of my mind. So I'm not up there saying, oh, dang it. I should have brought that. Well, one of the things is, you know, something simple. Like we always forget the simplest things. Like sometimes we forget our tags and we have to go to Endow office and get a new one, you know. And like if I would have looked at my list and been like, oh, I should have brought the tag. And I would have brought it. You know, so like there's just simple things you do on the prep work, making those lists, giving those lists to other people, and then, uh, you know, just enjoying the journey and enjoying, enjoying prep work's part of the journey. It makes the, makes the trip a little bit more yeah, smooth. Yeah, we had an issue. I mean, we did our youth hunting, and my son, I mean, we're, we're three man, and a half hours. Man, I wasn't trying to throw you on the bus, man. Uh, you can tell the story still. I, I took the blame for that. We're three and a half hours away from home, and, and you know, it was... Literally, I, I think I, I might have taken the day off, but man, Ron was working, worked the whole day on Thursday and, or Friday, Wednesday, and I, I was trying to get stuff ready for this hunt, and I had got all our stuff, made sure my boy had extra clothes, and he had warm, warm clothes just in case, and we had, had enough the ammo. tents and the sleep bags and the ammo, all that stuff together. The one thing I forgot is to make sure that he had his tag with him, so we had to go to the Indow office and in the life of the pandemic, um, the office, first time I went there was closed. I had to go back the next day and, and try to get it. And 
finally got a, got his tag so he could actually hunt. But, you know, it's it's important things like that. The other thing that's important is knowing the area you're going to hunt. We can't talk about that enough. And knowing most of these areas, these WMAs, are going to have their own unique sets of rules or whether you're in a different state, whether you're hunting a state that's got... I know Ron uh, was going to go hunt tomorrow in a certain area. Well, we have a break. And so... Tomorrow. It's a weird break too. Yeah, it's a weird break. So tomorrow actually was in the is in the middle of that break. So if he would have went up and hunted that and not researched and made sure, he could have got himself into in, into a lot of trouble. He would have been paddling out trying to figure out why he was the only one on the lake. Yeah. And, and good duck hunting weather. <laughs> there are other people. We both be in trouble. You know, there is. I know our federal um, WMA out here that's close to us um, has a twenty five shell limit. So if that game warden catches you with two boxes of shells, you're gonna get a big fat ticket on that one. Last year, I think it was pretty lenient because it was a new new rule, and he wrote a lot of warnings. But I think his grace period is pretty much going to be over at this point. So let's just go over them real quick. Let's let's start with Overton and talk about the preparation, the rules for Overton. Overton, uh, you hunt every even day. You have to check in with Endow and get a reservation. Um, you have to stay in your blinder 100 feet within it, and then uh, you know sh- shooting rules are are the same. Is there any other, any other things that Overton you uh, You have to be there an hour and a half before shooting light. There's going to be a check-in time. Yeah. If you've made a reservation, now you can you can go get on the extras board, and if there's an extra blind, you can get into it. Um, extras board, what he's talking about is you show up that morning, there's a little clipboard out front, you just put your name on it. And if they have open blinds? It's about a 100% chance they'll be an yeah, open blind. The, you, you can get a blind, but if, you don't, if you're not on the extra board, if, if you're there and it's an hour and 28 minutes, so shooting light, you're a no-call, and so you don't have a reserve blind anymore. So they give that blind to somebody else, and you go to the bottom of the extras board. So that's an important, very important one with, with Overton. And, and like I said, for Overton, you got a lot of hunters out there that hunt that blind, or those, those blinds, every single open day of the season. So try to make it a good experience for those guys. If you make it a good experience for those guys... They're going to see those guys that are making it a good experience, and then they're going to be a wealth of knowledge for you in the future a lot of times. Uh-huh. So. The, the next one is um, if you go up to Paranagit, uh, that's a federal WMA. So the other ones are state. This one's a federal. Uh, they have a 25-shell limit, which means you can only have 25 shells on your possession. Once you shoot 25, you're out. You can't go back and reload in the truck. Um, Hunt days are Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. So Overton's even. Parangas, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. And uh, um, again, this is the half an hour before sunrise and then at sunset. Anything else there? And that one, that one's an un. Uh, no motorized boats. No motorized boats. But that one's an un, an uncontrolled hunt. Basically, you can go kind of wherever you want. Um, it's fairly easy to get around there. I mean, it's shallow enough to where you can pretty much get to wherever you wanted to if you if mm-hmm. you you walked. But you know, it's easier if you can be on a kayak or something there. And you can only hunt lower Paranagit and Middle Marsh. Yeah. If you hunt on Paranagit, you'll get a ticket. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, on all of these, and I, I don't care what what WMA it is, or I don't care if you're hunting the Dang River for for all I care, you know, take your trash with you, so you will get a ticket. Especially at Paranagate, he's he's He'll a check your for shells. That. And if you didn't pick up your shells, then 
then he's going to write you a ticket for it. So and it's all about picking up your empty shells anyway. It's like if I know you're going to lose some with the semi autos and the and the bull rush and stuff, but it's just pick it, them up if you see them. It makes well, a mess. Yeah, nobody wants to go and see your trash all over the place. If you if you have you know your shell boxes, pick them up, take them with you. It's not that hard. Over ten, there is one more addition. I was. I, I forgot about it now, and, and now I can't think about it. So we'll come back. Okay, we'll come back to I'll that move one. up to the next the next WMA in Southern Nevada, which is a uh, key Pittman. That one's odd days. Uh, the only time you have to have a reservation is for the opener Saturday and Sunday. Other than that, you just show up. Uh, you can hunt anywhere, um, and they have that weird break in the middle, which we're on that break right now. It goes, you can hunt till the 25th, and you come back and hunt on the 29th of October. Changes per year, so make sure you check out your normal regs. Big shout out to Wayne. Wayne's the one that told me I was gonna go out hunting Tuesday. I said, "You want to go, Wayne?" He said, "You better not." So <laughs> he helped me out with that. Um, and then uh, shooting, shooting lights the same. Um, th so well, this is what I was gonna say about Overton. So Overton and Keith Pittman have the same rules. So you have to actually fill out a harvest card. So oh, yeah. so you have a reservation card. So when you go to Overton, you check in, they're going to give you your slip. They're going to tell you what blind you're in. That slip is going to have species on it. You're going to fill out your species and drop it in the drop box by the check-in station. Key Pittman, I think, has a couple drop boxes. I think one at each each lake area. Uh -huh. So make sure you find those drop boxes. Actually, I think Key Pittman might have three. I mean, I think we might have one by by the ranch manager's house, one at the other gate entrance, the walk-in entrance. They have a few. There are boxes so, all down that road. If you do not fill out your harvest card, they can actually deny you um, the ability to hunt for the rest of the season. So yeah. it's an important thing. And, and one of the reasons we need those harvest cards back is so we can make these WMAs better, so we can know you know, how many birds are getting harvested and whether we're overhunting a population or maybe underhunting a population as well. So if they see that you know everybody's getting a pintail, and there's still 150 pintails sitting on the same pond, you know, obviously, you know, we can maybe adjust some harvest limits or something like that. But They also use it to track migratory paths of the birds, and they can say, okay, like, a bunch of mallards are harvested here. Okay, awesome. It's the same thing if, you, uh, if you're lucky enough to, to get a band or whatever. It doesn't hurt. You know, you should always call it in because it helps. It really does help track the migration of these birds and, and where they're going and kind of their patterns and stuff and bird ages and stuff like that when they get harvested. So we can make the duck hunting experience better for everybody. And that's that's the goal is to, to have great duck hunting. I was watching a thing the other day, Argentina duck hunts and yeah, 25 crazy. bird limits. And, and, you know, there's more birds. You're limited out. And every, every single time you go out, you're limited out on those some of those. So, they still have the pressure. And, and that's part of it. And they, and they also have a ton of birds down there, too. So. Um, the next one is what? Well, I think those are only, the only ones that have the weird, have the weird, um, weird rules and regs. You know about it. All the other ones are pretty. In Southern Nevada, are pretty. You know, you show up and you can hunt any day, as long as you're within season limits. Now, if you go up north, I mean, Ruby Marsh is there's there's some there's some rules some, we learned about up there. Some pretty good yeah. rules up there. So, no greater than ten horsepower motors on that one. Yeah. If you're gonna go opening weekend. There's actually specific times that that park is open. So it's two hours before hunt time. It's one hour before, except for on hunt days, it's two hours yeah, before. Yeah, hunt days, for, it's two hours before that you can be through the gate and on the water. But hunt days are 
any day of the week up there. Mm-hmm. I don't. There's no harvest cards up there or anything like that. But that one is. Talk about knowing your area. You do not hunt that if you're on a boat unless you have a GPS with you. So, or or Onyx Maps. We did yeah, Onyx Maps. Onyx so Maps great. is not one of our sponsors. We hope they will be eventually, but. I can't speak highly enough of Onyx Maps for everything you do with hunting. As far as prep work, I mean, you mark springs on a map. When you're duck hunting, you can mark where you sat in the bulrush. You know, um, you can mark where the ducks fly to, so you want to go next time. You mark on the map because when you're going out there in the dark, you can't really see. But you can follow. You can go right to that pinpoint. You can have the offline map downloaded, and you don't even have to have cell service. And Ron, right, we've... Uh We've trapped in the past together, and, and my, my boy traps with Ron, you know, quite a bit. And Ron's able to say, hey, here's a pin where I set these 10 traps or whatever. So that way, if I need to go check traps or Ron needs to go check, check traps that, that we set, it's easy. And we can share those pins. Or, hey, this is where we want to go. I'm going to send you a pin, pull it up on the map and see what you think. So we can do that. We did. We fished one time, and... I was looking at a particular hole. I just saw an aerial view where I, I could see a real deep hole section. And, and I was able to send Ron a pen and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking, and here's where I'm thinking about going. And he could look at that night before, and we could kind of come up with a plan on where we wanted to hunt. And we don't have to be in the same room. So it, it's a great tool and a great resource. And, yeah, for prepping. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing is you, know, you talk about what you can do to prep, and there's a lot of technology that we have that, they, that the old-timers didn't have, right? So... We've got Ducks Unlimited apps are, are great because they'll tell you shooting times, when you're allowed to shoot, when you can't shoot. You can They're pull, about off a minute, plus or minus yeah. two or three minutes, so make sure you check your you, you local can, regs. You can uh, get in there and you can actually pull up the state regs out of there. Out yeah. of Ducks Unlimited? Yeah, so you I can check that out. You yeah. can, uh, there's a duck identification section in there, mm-hmm. and there's a, a journal. Um, Ron's a lot better with the journal than I am. I mean, I haven't logged into our ducks this season at all yet. But um, there's a journal where you can actually journal your ducks, and you can say exactly where they came from, what the weather was like, you know, you can all sorts of stuff. You some pictures up there on that DU app. No, and so, and then the other thing that they do is they, they actually, Ducks Unlimited has a migration map, and you can kind of look and see where the where people are harvesting ducks. So people post updates, hey, I'm in Salt Lake, and the birds are just moving in, or the uh, birds just started to push out. And so you can use those to kind of plan your hunts a little bit better as well. So technology we have is great, and then learning resources. I mean, Ron and I, off season, we don't quit duck hunting just because we can't go hunt ducks. We're, you know, watching videos and and reading articles and just trying to become better hunters. And Looking at the new new products they have out. Um, speaking of, you know, good quality, like going out and having good quality equipment. And if and if you're looking for some good quality equipment. As far as eyewear goes, or I mean, a big thing is having a hat because biggest part of you know getting away from those ducks is changing the way you look. And so, if ducks are coming in and we're in the reeds or if we're in the blind, we'll usually have a brown or camel hat on. It doesn't matter, brown or camel works. Brian's always wearing his Bex hat, you just you tip over like this. And so, having a good pair of you know, a good hat on and some good sunglasses. It, it makes a difference because half the time we're looking at the sun, we're trying to shoot ducks because you're looking at the sky and that is the sun. And there the ducks are coming and having those good sunglasses. And Brian knows a little bit more about it. Tell him a little bit about yeah, Bex. Yeah, you know, Bex, like, we talked about Bex the last episode too. And, and, you know, they're just, they're a good company. They're, they come out of an office. Their, their office is literally on a cattle ranch. Um, that, that's their, their home office. 
great people that do a lot of good things for the hunting and ranching and farming community and the rodeo community. They've got a couple professional athletes that they, they sponsor in the rodeo circuit. And, you know, high quality sunglasses. And I'll, I'll tell you, if you've ever known somebody that's had cataracts because they didn't wear sunglasses, it's, it's not something you really want to deal with. So you got to protect your eyes. And, 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 you know, they're, they're actually a great product. They're, they're super comfortable, lightweight. They stay on your face. Their hats, um, they're made for rodeo riders, right? So they're they're thrown made, off on the horses. They're made to fit comfortably under a hat. So he, he his idea, his dad was in the construction field. Um, he owned a construction company, and they were they owned some big game preserves in, in the United States as well. But the idea was something that you could have lightweight that you could wear under your hat. So great product if you, if you get a chance. I mean, there's tons of different styles everywhere. From I wear I like the full frame stuff, so I wear full frame. I wear the Gabbert twos. He's got some, uh, a lot of more of the aviator style frame. That's kind of where he cut his teeth on. He's got some, some made in the USA stuff, but man, high quality, you know, competitively priced. I mean, he, I think he's a little bit cheaper than some other things. I used to wear um, other oh, premium brands, and since I put Vex on my face, I've never worn anything else. And, and Jason's just been so good to our community. And, and, and He's so good to the wildlife groups and the small uh, youth sports groups and he's always given back. This is so. a good company. They give back more than they take. I think. Give, give Bex, a, give Bex a, a try, man. L look them up. Bexsunglasses.com. Well, you know how you always want to buy from that good guy. Like you know, like oh, go buy from Brian, man. He's a good guy. He takes care of the people. You know, uh, that's what the Bex company is like. Like when you, when you go to buy it from, you know, you're buying from a good guy. You're not buying just from kind of one of them big businessmen. Yeah, I'll tell you that. That are worried about the bottom line. I mean, he has a small company on a ranch. He has he has good staff. He takes care of his staff, takes care of his products, takes care of his customers. I can't say enough good things about him. No, and I think he a lot of times goes without so he can help provide for our community. So mm -hmm. I don't, I can't think of a decent size event that Jason hasn't had a hand in sponsoring in our local community. Mm -hmm. So he sponsors our football team. I mean, our youth rodeo our FFA, 4-H livestock shows, our shooting sports groups. He, he does a lot of that stuff. But yeah. I think, uh, man, we're kind of getting we low on time. Okay. So. Well, guys, if you're, uh, you're going to get out there, man, you know, take one if you can, teach one if you can't. You know, and if you can't do either, at least, at least send it hard and, you know, give it all you got or else it won't be worth it. So we, we thank you guys for listening to us, and we'll get back with you as soon as we can. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.